matchmaker. Welcome to Subtitles, where we spike the canon in music and movies. In each episode, we will offer up replacements for each title in the top 100 of a well-known, well-regarded ranking, and we'll walk away with a pair of subtitles, which we think deserve more acclaim and to which attention must be paid. I'm Tim. I'm replacing the entries on the 2007 AFI 100 Years 100 Movies list, starting with number 100 and working up. And I'm Matt, and I'm replacing the top 100 entries on Spin Magazine's 2015 Top 300 Albums from 1985 to 2015, starting with number one and working down. Alright, so seeing as this is our first episode, Woot, uh, seems like it's a good idea to talk a little bit about where the idea came from, why these lists, and I think before we do anything else to talk about why music and why movies? So, Matt, why why music? Why not music, really? No, it's... I think for both of us, uh, it's the thing we work with most. Uh, you do a lot with movies, I do a lot with music. And to me, just thinking about the various ways that music fits together, the progression of genres and movements and scenes, and... The ebb and flow of what's popular, what gets critical appraisal, and how those two things run together. The just measuring stuff from different eras and thinking about it together, and that's why I was drawn by the spin list in particular, because it's taking on this <clears throat> defined thirty-year chunk, which is fairly unique in the world of of music lists. Most of the times when you see a best of, it's going to be of the year, of the decade, and that decade is going to be uh, a year that ends in zero at the beginning, and the last year is going to end in nine, so it's always the same increment. And I know there, there's theory out there about better ways that decades work, but I'm not getting into that so much as I just like this idea of the 30-year chunk, and it was to commemorate Spin's 30-year anniversary, so it just has a unique flavor to it. And why spin over um, anything else, really? I mean, there, there are bigger publications out there. Uh, spin is still pretty big, but there's stuff like Rolling Stone, there's Pitchfork, there's NME. Uh, there, there are bigger publications with probably more reach. But for various reasons, including the one I just said, that Spin's list is just more interesting and more unique. Rolling Stone is very... We'll go with canonical and antiquated in many ways. And that Ooh, works for them. That is sort of their brand. And they're going to talk a lot, a lot about that 60s and 70s stuff and always put that at the top of the list. I think for one version, they had one album after 1990 in like their top 100 or something ridiculous like that. And that's them. And everyone knows that and accepts that. But I don't really want to deal with that. Uh, why not Pitchfork? <clears throat> I I read Pitchfork a lot. I, I agree with them a lot of the times. Other times I think they are a, little, a bit too smug for their own good. Uh, and they, they have all kinds of lists out there. I could have chosen any number of specific genre things or decades or years or whatever. But they are... I don't know. They're, just, they're, they're what they are at this point. Uh, 
they went from very niche and able to actually break bands to basically being the the industry itself, and that's okay. But I've, I don't know. I just wanted to take on something a bit different. So it came down really to spin or stereo gum. And while I'm here, save stereo gum, which is experienced some tr- some troubles like most of us right now. Uh, but then spin had this neat thirty year list, and it's all different genres. <clears throat> it's pretty much anglophone stuff. Um, so it's not world music necessarily, but it was just a fun mix of things. And 300 was sort of fun to to look at and wrap my head around and ultimately taking the top 100 of that. Um, but just thinking about the work that it takes to collate all those different staff lists and put that together was interesting too. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that that's basically why spin... Um, I think we will get into more limits after this, but but why AFI, Tim? Why movies? Well, movies are, for me, they're kind of a new thing, honestly. I, when I grew up, I was a nerd and I read a lot of books. And, and then I decided somewhere around college that I thought I knew something about movies. And then in the past three years, I actually tried watching movies, which is, by the way, a really terrific way to figure out something about about movies to watch them um, and not just like know what's on a list. So since then, I've, I've become just really interested in, in how they how they're made and how they present themselves and the ideas they're in. And I don't know, as I get old. I start thinking about sort of the anthropology of it. Like it's it's a little baby anthropology class every time you pop on a movie and, and that really appeals to me. Um, and this is sort of where the AFI comes in because where you have, I think, a very copacetic relationship with spin, I, I don't have a particularly copacetic relationship with AFI, um, which I'm sure is surprising to them because we don't talk all that often, but they... They are an organization which has been around for 50-plus years, and they do a lot of good work. Uh, they do a lot of film preservation, which is, I think, is about as important a, a job as anyone can have in movies right now. Uh, it, they also do a lot of educational stuff. They have their MFA programs, and they have a lot of big-name graduates, and that's very good, too. Uh, but like you, I'm sort, of, I'm sort of nervous about that taste-making part of the industry thing. I feel a certain anxiety about that whenever I, I see their list. And the reason I chose them is is kind of the same reason you didn't choose Rolling Stone. It's because they're the elephant in the room, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best one. Uh, but it does mean that they're the one that people sort of point to, especially for, you know, the sort of American-focused uh, critiques that we, that we see. So... We'll be getting into my individual problems with with the list, and they are they are certainly uh, manifold uh, from the fact that they keep trying to steal movies that aren't American, which just seems bizarre to me that they think that Lawrence of Arabia and Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring are American movies. That's pretty wild to me. Um, to the fact that they have by looking essentially at at this very historical, what was popular then kind of criteria. Uh, they've erased a lot of people of color, and they've erased women entirely. There are no women filmmakers represented on that list. Uh, there are, by my count, on the 2007 list, which is the one I'm using, there are two people of color who are directors on that. So 
I think it's wild to suggest that the best hundred movies in American history were made entirely by men and almost entirely by by white people. So that's an issue that I think you're going to have less in the musical end, um, though, as I think we found out recently, that's still definitely an issue uh, that, is, that you've encountered. Yeah, it is still an issue. And <clears throat> probably get in, I've run some statistics similar to what you have, and we'll probably get into them more in depth as we get into episodes. A couple things before that, though. You're right, it's been... Uh, spin kind of works for me. Like I feel a, a, a certain kinship with spin and the spirit of what they do and what they write about and what they like. That doesn't mean I don't have problems. We'll see in the very first episode, a major problem I have um, with what they, what they did with their list. But right. This is also the publication that gave dashboard confessional a huge breaking uh, feature piece in 2000 and they they always give time to subgenres that really speak to me and that I really like so there's a sh- certain kinship that I have with spin and that doesn't mean I don't have problems we'll get into that in each of the episodes um, there are times when I want to bop them for what happened and, and for what they've chosen and, and <clears throat> left out but yeah I think this brings me into the second point. I think in music, it's easier to avoid the elephant in the room because most people look at Rolling Stone and sort of pat them on the head and say, you keep doing your thing, and like that's nice, and you, you keep that lane right there. And it seems much freer to do other things, whereas, and we had talked about this a little bit, I think, with movies, it just feels more indebted to canon which is weird to say because music certainly is but we talked about this along the lines of like the academy means something to people even if a lot of us can realize they're doing some ridiculous things the grammys are a joke and everyone knows this and they're just sort of this fun little thing that happens so the taste making in that way is different between music and movies i think i mean when you say uh, the academy you, means something you have to people in, in movies that like the academy means like that means a specific thing right and it means something to the people who make the afi list because one of their qualifications is essentially did it win a bunch of oscars and of course you can you can go back and not just to your favorite one from the 90s or something, but you can go back a long way and see what they did and and didn't ignore. Right. And, and, you know, counter to that, most of the times in music, we don't care if it won a Grammy or not. Like, that can be an interesting tidbit about something historically, but it's... It matters. It certainly matters. It matters in terms of what is popular and what actually sells with adolescence, which is where most of the music sales go. So I'm not suggesting that these things don't have an impact, because they certainly do. But in terms of critical taste making and the niche audiences that are going to read that, the Grammys are a joke in the way that the Academy isn't. Now, that said, economically, certainly they have an impact, because that's what the industry is choosing to uh, give time and um, <clears throat> and show to people, and then actually, you know, generate those sales. Um, in terms of the list diversity, I can give some of these statistics real quick. So it's certainly not as 
as bad as the AFI list. Spin does acknowledge women, does acknowledge people of color. They don't not exist in this world. Go Spin! <laughs> yeah, that said, it could still be better. Um, my numbers are correct here, and there is a chance that they're off. Because counting through this list made my eyes cross at a certain point. Uh, but Spin... Um, let me find the right number here. 42% or around there of their top 100 is non-white male. So that would leave 58% that is white male. And I will say as a caveat, my counting on that is sort of particular to me. It's hard to do that with groups of multiple people, especially when say you have a band that, um, trying to think of a good example offhand a newer band Hopalong who has led a, a female singer and songwriter and front woman and all male backing band how do you judge that <clears throat> so to me I kind of went through and thought well does the band exist without the most prominent person in it and if judgment. I can say no to that then I sort of judged it based on who that person was. If I could say yes, then they kind of just became sort of statistical noise, really. Um, So there was some funky counting in that way for me. I don't know if that led to more or less diversity, but you're looking at about 42% for the top 100 of the spin list, which is not great, but it's not terrible. It's certainly not the AFI list. Yeah, something something I also want to say is like I'm not when we start doing like subtitles and things, I'm not necessarily looking at it and trying to say like what's the most moral decision making that we can do. I'm not I'm not going to exclude things that are straight up problematic, though I have excluded like, you know, the Roman Polanskis and Woody Allens of the world and I'm sure there are plenty of people who I know less about who I've missed, but at the same time there's there's some level of, for this project that we're doing, I think there's some level of intentionality about yeah. about what we're trying to look at and, and not to have quotas or anything like that, but to know that this is part of the calculus. Right. No, quota, quotas would be wrong, and or, or reducing it to merely quota, that takes away their individuality at a certain point. And right, if we <clears throat> said we were the moral tastemakers, then... We'd well, be we've, just, we, we've just undercut the entire project, so we're certainly not that. Um, but these are definitely things worth looking at and trying to think about. Well, certainly not this many of the top things ever were all white men. So I, I, like what you said about intentionality, that, that, that rings true to me. Um, the bigger problem to me on the spin list in terms of inclusion is really where they go with the decades because a full half of them are from the 90s, and I am even more deliberately trying to break that up. <laughs> yeah, so that's something that I was seeing as I was looking through my through my list of what I could replace with. Um, I definitely had to check out what was going on with the 30s, because they've got a really uh, 30s-heavy set between their 97 or 98 excuse me and their 2007 lists and I'm like why can't I get more 30s movies in here and the answer is that they stole them and I was looking at oh my goodness why do I have so many 80s movies as possible replacements it's because they didn't use them so that's that's uh, something that we'll see as well 
You want to get to the uh, the actual talk about what we do? It's been 15 minutes. I guess the folks at home should know what the what the goal is here. Yeah, maybe they want to know what we do instead of explaining lists they can go find on the internet. That's a good point. Yeah, so here's here's what we do. Here's how this works. The two of us have gone through each list. Uh, we've decided on a theme of the original entry and have come up with a pair of potential replacement titles which share that theme. We'll talk about the original entry. Sometimes we will regret having to get rid of it, and sometimes we will rejoice in being able to drop it. But this podcast is not just another discussion of an outmoded list. Matt will provide two new albums, explain what makes them worthy substitutions, and then I will decide which of them deserves a place on the subtitles albums list. And then we're going to trade places. I'll have two new movies to talk through. Matt will make his choice for the subtitles movies list. I want to also emphasize that sometimes I'll have listened to the album. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes he'll have seen the movies. Sometimes he won't. Uh, But at the end of the day, what matters is how well we've sold the titles and how they fit those new themes that we're working with. I just want to add, or emphasize rather, I guess, that... Tim and I had talked about this a bit in setting all of this up. We are talking about our potential subs in terms of the theme and not just pure which one do we judge to be better in some false objective standard. But we are, that that category, that theme that we pick and acknowledge is very important to us when we're talking about these substitution options and when we talk about the original Uh, albums as well so and to me i think this is important because it allowed me to kind of just make my substitution choices more fun really or or just pick some weird stuff or uh, traditionally disparaged albums or just ones that no one's really talking about because they're sort of lost in the the record store dustbin um I, th- I think it just opened up more choices in a fun way, and, and we could kind of make more fun combinations with it. Thinking about things in terms of, okay, well, what fits this theme better? And how do we recast all of the entries on the initial lists to think about them differently, to think about them in terms of some unique category that we're identifying? Yeah, I think I, think that I looked at it the same way. I mean... Some of these, I try not to make it just sort of a straight list of favorites because that seems wrong. Uh, but I, you know, if, if it came down to something that I thought was a little more interesting with a theme or something that was more critically uh, well received, I tried to go with a thing that I thought was more thematically interesting. So because we didn't want to put certain titles in or didn't want to go over ground that had already been covered. Uh, we both have some special considerations. So, Matt, what are the special considerations for spin? For spin itself, or for me? For you, what, like working with a with your new list of uh, replacement titles, subtitles, as they were. So I went kind of hard on myself. Uh, I think Tim is amused by all that I have done to myself. Yes. I. So I tried to stay within the 30-year period because that is, to me anyway, kind of an important part of the list. It was commemorating Spin's 30-year anniversary, so it's not saying here are the best of all time, it's within this period. So I tried to stick to that. I fell outside of it a few times. Um, Tim and I both talked about potentially going past whatever end year 
it has. So for spin, that was 2015. For you, that was 2008, right? About, yeah. Yeah. So I have a few that go past that, a few more recent things. But in general, I tried to stick within that 30-year period, mostly, I guess, as a challenge to myself. Um, I can talk about a lot of newer stuff. I've written a lot about music from the last three, four years. So there's a lot I know, a lot I'm passionate about, a lot I could talk about and fit into here. But just thinking within that 30-year time span was kind of a fun challenge. Um, And there's still a ton of good stuff in in that range. So it was challenging, but it it wasn't uh, oppressive, I don't think. The harder one, and I completely imposed this on myself. So Spin in their 300 list says that the most entries an artist can have is three. And I have taken that even further and said that in my subs, the most entries an artist can have is one. Why did I do this? I don't know. I kind of just started and realized it was happening and then thought, "Mm, that'll be interesting and that'll give me a chance to talk about 200 different artists. And I, I, I was fond of that reach. I wanted to give shine to as many people as possible, to as many albums as possible. So partially it's, right, you don't need me to tell you that certain acts are really good or that they had a lot of good entries. You don't need to hear from me that that Radiohead has a ton of good albums, that Kanye has a ton of good albums, that Fiona Apple does. Now, I could have taken that and gone with smaller acts or ones that are talked about less and given them a few different entries, but I figured let's just make it as even as possible and do one per artist. And I think I've succeeded in that now. I had to change a few things around, but I believe I have 200 different entries in here. Um, And those were the biggest two inclusion criteria for me. Uh, In addition to thinking about the things we said earlier, um, right, the diversity of time and of identities actually making these things. And I guess the other thing I would have to say, because I'm dealing with a list of 300, technically, Tim and I had a bit of talk about, well, how much can I pull from that 101 to 300 range? And when I was making the 200, I did it blind and then just saw how many overlapped at the end. And it ended up around 50. I've been changing a couple things, so I think it might be slightly lower now. Um, so let's say there's 45 to 50 albums that end up in the spin 101 to 300 <clears throat> that I have used as substitution options. Um, but it was going to be impossible, really, not technically, but really to go without picking anything from that 101 to 300. And there's a lot of stuff in that range that I feel really passionately about that I think should be higher, but that's been knocked down quite a bit. And indeed, we'll get to one of those in the first episode, but that's a teaser. Ooh. So Tim, how, how were you deciding? So basically, um, I, I looked at it and like you, I, I was staring down the dates on this because they have one list that went to 97, 98, and another one that went to like 2006, 2007. And at first I was like, well, I really like what Matt is doing and I really like the way that he is trying to keep in the time range. So I was like, do I want to do that too? And then I looked at it and I'm like, no, because when I do that, I'm getting rid of all the the women and people of color I'm trying to get on this list. 
and trying to have represented. So I, I, you know, I, you don't need me to tell you about the history of the Hollywood studio system and how few uh, women directors and, and how many African-American directors there were in the past, which is not to say that some of them won't make it on my subtitles choices, you know, another teaser. Um, but it was, it was just a very different system. And, and so I have basically said, I will go from as far back as, as I need to, to as far forward as I need to. Um, I think my, I think I actually span exactly a hundred years. There is a 2020 release that I've got on my subtitles list and there is a 1920 uh, release I've got there. So it, it goes fairly far. Um, the other thing that I wanted to look at was that original 98 list, uh, which has a hundred titles on it, just like this one does, but it has 23 that were, uh, dropped in 2007. So I said to myself, they've already recognized them. I don't need to recognize them again. Uh, even though that was kind of depressing in some ways, because it means that I don't get to use Fargo as a subtitle, which was kind of a bummer to me, because uh, that movie is, first of all, perfect, and second of all, endlessly applicable. Um, it also means that I don't have to feel any pressure to use the jazz singer, which I didn't anyway, but, you know, whatever. Um, and honestly, that is about all that I've got. Those are really my only two, um, my only two things that I thought of as limitations, other than, obviously, is it American? Uh, I didn't include shorts, I could have included shorts, but I chose not to just because I thought that made it a little more tricky somehow. It's, it's weird to me to judge a short against a feature. Um, not that all of these are like incredibly long features or anything, but they would all qualify that way. And I just kind of didn't do documentaries. Ask me why. Why, Tim? I don't know. It just kind of didn't happen. It's not that there aren't like 15 documentaries that immediately come to mind for some of these. I just just didn't do it. So maybe I'll change my mind by the time we get to some of these categories and we'll get to talk about Koyanis Katsi. But until then, it's, it's, all, it's all narrative features. I guess that's a little cleaner with the way that they had their list set up anyway. That's a, I hadn't <clears throat> thought about that in terms of music, but that's a good point mostly because I just do this inherently, but Spin said that they weren't ruling out live albums, EPs, or compilations. That said, not many make it onto the list, and I think the soundtrack to singles is by far the highest, which <clears throat> it should be. But I have just not dealt with any of that. When I make my own list, I tend to leave EPs out, just similar to the kind of problem that you have with shorts to feature films like it's just kind of weird to put the two together in a certain way um not that they can't be good not that they aren't great on their own but just for some consistency's sake eps didn't make it into this i guess i never technically ruled out live or compilations but i never really seriously considered them so i'm working with all uh majority original content lps here <laughs> i think i mean as I think about the documentary thing, it's, again, some of the best American movies I've ever seen are documentaries, but I think about it, and I, I basically just wanted to, to keep it to more or less what they were trying to do, 
you know, saying here's a theme and here's an idea that you were already working with and and wanting to make sure that I didn't go too far afield because it's one thing to like sub out titles and it's another thing to just make your own list. So that was that's sort of where I come down on it. It sounds like you're in a similar place too. Um, anything else before we before we uh, get to a little preview? I don't think not that I can think of anyway. I yeah, I guess I just say as sort of summary, we're trying to find fun and weird and new combinations here, and trying to talk about some texts together that maybe you haven't thought about together before or that we haven't thought about together before. So I'm excited to go through this uh, and just see where Tim and I both land up and what the other person picks each time and how we talk about all these different things. And for me, anyway, it gives me a chance to talk about a lot of things that either I really like and just haven't really written about or discussed much before. And it challenged me to some degree, too. I had to listen to a good bit of new stuff to make this happen um so yeah i I think it's going to be a fun journey in that way and lead to some interesting discussions and combinations and i'm really excited to see what the picks end up being yeah i'm looking forward myself to uh to checking out the the way that the music and the movies kind of go together because goodness knows that i could be listening to more music and branching out a little bit, and I think, I think we will accidentally find some connections between the two. Yeah, and certainly I, I don't watch nearly as many movies as you, and hearing about some new things, or just even ones that I've heard about before but never gotten to, um, hearing you talk about them, and that's that's so important to me whenever I do any work like this like just that opportunity for discovery i think that's really important and really um just a a good thing to keep in mind as we go forward (laughs) all right so here's what we're going to do we are going to because i think of this episode as just pure introduction kind of a proof of concept thing um we're going to go ahead and we are going to let you in on our first five planned episodes and to, to talk about uh, which movie, which album, and the themes that we've come up with. But, of course, if you wanted to to find out what exactly we do talk about, then yes, you should actually listen to us talk about it. So, uh, our first episode, which we're hoping to upload co- concurrently with, with this intro one, uh, the episode title we have is Nevermind and Ben-Hur. So, we're giving teasers here, but... Certainly not spoilers, because you can go find both of these lists and read them in their entirety. So it's not like we can actually hide the AFI or the spin from you, but we are going to hide our choices. I think everyone would expect Nevermind to be number one on any such list. Uh, honestly, any anyone dealing with the 90s at this point, if they don't put Nevermind number one, that's going to be the biggest thing talked about with that list. Its impact is still massive. It's a foundational album. It's it's really good. It's really important. We all know that. We'll talk about it in that first episode. But the, the category I'm identifying is Grunge Forefathers. So nothing totally strange there, but we're going to talk about grunge and the different types that you may want or hear and sort of that movement in general and talk about some major players in that. 
Yeah, and uh, for my first uh, installment, be chatting about Ben Hur, the 1959 William Wyler movie, and I want to talk about that in relationship to gay and queer subtext. So that movie, I was telling Matt this the other day, but I I went back and rewatched some of it, not all of it, because I don't have four hours. Um, but I, I rewatched some clips and I was like, this is barely even subtext. Maybe I should have chosen a different theme. So we'll be talking about some, some movies that have that kind of subtext involved uh, to get rolling with. Matt, or maybe the theme is just gay. <laughs> just like, just like community. Boy, that's going to be the loudest thing anyone hears in this entire recording. Do you want to tell the, the people about my personal favorite episode title of all of them, which is happily our number two episode? Oh, oh, would I ever. The number two episode is going to be Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers and Toy Story. And Tim is on the record several times as saying he thinks this will be the best episode of any that we do, so we're peaking early. I'm not inclined to disagree just because talking about the Wu-Tang Clan and Toy Story together just sounds hilarious. For that one, I'm going to be talking about rap collectives. Wu-Tang being, I would wager, probably the most famous rap collective. Uh, but we'll talk about some other ones that I just realized I picked two that are funny rather than totally serious but they both have some impact so we'll think about those and for my part i will be talking about as befits toy story talking about the concept of playtime so going to be thinking about movies where where that kind of play and and recreation and who gets to be involved in that is at the center of that movie's conflict um as well as like what makes that that particular movie so moving and meaningful I'm, I'm excited about my pairing for that one. I'm excited about all of them, obviously, but that one is like, there are a couple personal favorites there. We both certainly have ones that, like, we made the pairing or we made the category and thought, ooh, that, that's a good one. So I think that's natural to any of these. Little chef's kiss right there. Yeah. Uh, third episode is going to be Sign of the Times and Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is one of the... <laughs> the fun, weird combinations out of all of this. We have several of those. Uh, so on the spin list, uh, that's Prince's Sign of the Times, and I'm going to be talking about artists that I refuse to make analogies to because it becomes unfair to the original artist and the new person the article is trying to talk up. That's not the full title. It's just artists I refuse to make analogies but basically, artists and personalities that are so big and unique that it's really a disservice to say someone is the next prince, for example. And for me, I'm going to be talking about actors playing against type, because Yankee Doodle Dandy is very famous uh, for James Cagney's performance, because at that point, even though he had been in some other musicals and, and done some tap dancing and, and talk singing and all that good stuff, uh, he was, of course, best known for playing a gangster. So we'll be talking about some movies where people take on roles that are different than what you'd expect. And here's where probably you'll find out that I went to college. <laughs> they didn't find that out already. Eh, but I, if they didn't know before, they'll know for this uh, one. Fair. 
fair. Uh, episode four is Discovery and Blade Runner. I mean, that's kind of perfect. I know. It, it's... Well, we'll talk about it with the, the with your theme, kind of. Mine doesn't totally fit, but mine is We Got Defunk, because I'm talking about Daft Punk, who has a song called Defunk, and I can only talk about so many electronic albums, and we'll get to a bunch later in the list, so we're going to talk about some funk music. And then for me, we will be, as is fitting for Blade Runner discussions, because no one can shut up about whether or not Deckard is a replicant. <laughs> Uh, we'll be talking about the idea of being human again. So thinking about movies where a character's humanity is either in jeopardy or or the plot point is to become human, and we'll be seeing how that plays out. And here's the, uh, the last one on that top five, and I'm going to talk about this title because it's got things I really like in it. So that one is The Queen is Dead and Do the Right Thing. <coughs> Tim gets to talk about uh, Spike and the Smiths in the same episode. This is the episode Although he gets to I... listen to me talk about the Smiths. So yeah, we'll so what, what I'm going to say is that if you want to hear me yelling over Matt for a while, that's the one to go to. So Yeah, he's going to have to deal with me. Um, so the Smiths, the category here is reunion? No. So talking about bands that... We wish we'd get back together, but it's never going to happen, and we should give up the hope. And for Do the Right Thing, my category is Pressure Cooker, because that's a movie where that setting, that neighborhood setting, is is so tight and so compact, and everything happens in a small space that we never do leave. And the point is to see how movies work in those small spaces, and I have chosen two movies that work in even smaller ones. in order to, to see how people deal with that, with that kind of pressure and bouncing against the walls. Speaking of the Smiths. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> so those are our first five episodes. If, if that intrigues you, if you are interested in that idea, then I encourage you to follow us as we, as we get moving. Um, I think the last thing that I will say before we move on, if you are interested in following us on other platforms, I have had a letterboxed for a minute, but I didn't care about it until recently. Um, so if you wanted to find me on letterboxed, my handle there is so much for pathos. And I have a Spotify that I have up pretty much constantly. So if you want to, I have a bunch of playlists on there. You can just check out what I'm listening to at any given moment. So if you just want to find... Uh, new music that maybe I'm checking out at the time or just stick around in my playlist. Uh, my Spotify is just my name, Matt Burchanowski, and we'll link to that, or I'll, I'll type that out when we put this up um, so you don't have to guess at my last name. All right. Thanks for listening to this intro episode, and hopefully you enjoy our future, uh, our future installments in this podcast. This has been Subtitles.